Please open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This passage, I, I believe, will challenge your faith. You will walk out of here with a way to prove whether or not you really believe in the promise of God, whether or not you believe in the power of God. In these two chapters, chapters 8 and 9, Paul's using a missionary offering from the Macedonians to inspire the Corinthians to give an offering to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so in chapter 8, he set before us uh, two examples, uh, the Macedonians, the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. And then the second example he gave us was the Lord himself. In chapter 8, verse 9, he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Jesus Christ came into this world. That's how he became poor. And then he came from heaven to earth. And then when we, by faith, receive him as our Savior, we get to go from earth to heaven, and that is our riches. He then gave a number of reasons, the end of chapter 8, beginning of chapter 9, why they should take up this offering that they promised to give. Now, in the end of this chapter, he's going to give them the benefits, the benefits, the personal benefits they will receive when they become generous givers. Would you please stand as I read from 2 Corinthians 9. My message is entitled, Sowing and Reaping in Life. Sowing and Reaping in Life, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we get, begin in verse, uh, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work, as it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service, this gift, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal dis distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. May we pray. Our Father, we are grateful that you are the giver of life, that you are a generous giver to us. You give to the saved, you give to the lost. Uh, the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. And in your magnanimous giving to us, may we learn to be like you. May we learn to be givers. May we learn to support the work of God, the work of the gospel, the work of missions. Thank you for those saved, even here this week through this ministry. 
We know that is fruit that abounds to our account, and we praise you for that. Now speak to our hearts. Show us how we can spend our lives, our time, our energy, our money, our resources to be able to show the glory of God, not just in our community, but in the whole world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's an old story about a king who went into his village to greet his subjects. And as he wandered through the streets, he came across a beggar sitting by the roadside. And the beggar, holding up his little alms bowl, hoping the king would put something in of value for him. Instead, the king looked down at him, and he made this most unique statement. He asked the beggar, Would you please give something to me? Taken aback, the beggar fished around and found three little grains of rice and dropped them into the king's hand. And as the legend goes, at the end of the day, when the beggar poured out what he had received, he found to his astonishment at the bottom of his bowl three grains of solid gold. And he wished, and he wished he had given the king everything. You know, the world will tell you, if you want prosperity, hold on to everything you have. If you want prosperity, you need to hoard it, you need to save it, you need to invest it. But God has a very different plan. When you talk about prosperity in God's Word, in God's way, it is the opposite that is true. There's a very famous statement that Jesus Christ made about generosity. And you don't find it in any, in any of the Gospels. You can look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it is not there. But we do know that Jesus said this statement often enough that the Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said. Well, what did he say? Jesus said, it is more blessed. It is better to give than what? Uh, you've, heard it, you've heard it as well. Acts 20, 35. Just like that beggar, if he had given more to the king, it would have been better. He would have been more blessed. He would have received more gold. Have you ever heard that before? Well, sure you have. I, I mean, even unsaved people know the phrase, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In 1843, Charles Dickens, in his famous Christmas carol, forever changed how England and the English-speaking world would look at Christmas. Dickens introduced to us a mean, old, covetous sinner named Ebenezer Scrooge. Today, anyone who is a miser, anyone who is a cheapskate is, is called a what? He's called a, he's called a Scrooge. Do you know any Scrooges? Don't say their name out loud right now, right? Uh, do you know any cheapskates? Don't, don't elbow the person seated next to you today. You know, there's this businessman, and he was on an extended business trip. I mean, he was gone for two weeks, and, and he was missing his wife. And, and right before he returned, he thought, I'm going to buy my wife a little gift to let her know how much I missed her. So he stopped by the, uh, uh, the perfume counter, and he asked the clerk, how much is that bottle of perfume? And the clerk checked. It was $90. The guy said, do you, do you have a smaller bottle? And uh, she said, oh, yes. And so she returned with a $50 bottle. He said, do you have anything cheaper? 
and the clerk returned with a little tiny bottle of perfume that cost only $20. And the guy, guy motioned, he said, what I mean is this, I'd like to see something really cheap. She handed him a mirror. <laughs> I hope if you want to see something really cheap, you're not going to be looking in a mirror. Be a generous giver. You will find this truth throughout the Bible. You'll find it in the Old Testament. You'll find it in the New Testament. You'll find it in the Gospels. Jesus said, be generous. Jesus said, he said, give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again, Luke 6, 38. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And God will give you all along the way. His shovel is bigger than yours. Now look with me at verse 6. In verse 6, it's not just about giving. It's about life. Sowing and reaping is all about life. In verse 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. <coughs> this is an axiom. An axiom is a self-evident truth that does not need verification because, I mean, it is so obvious. Any farmer knows this. You sow a little seed, you get a little crop. You sow a lot of seed, like you see here before you in this photograph, you're going to get a lot of a big crop. If the farmer says, I don't want to give away my seed, I don't want to plant my seed, I want to hold on to my seed, then the result will be a very small harvest. But when a farmer says, you know, I'm going to find my, my biggest field, I'm going to plant all the seed that I have, I'm going to risk it uh, so that I can have the biggest possible harvest, and he will. So notice in your notes on page 2, the principle of sowing and reaping applies to every area of life, not just your finances. And giving to God through your local church, what you sow in life, you're going to reap. Whatever you deposit is going to be returned to you. If you sow criticism in life, if you're just a critical person, you're going to reap criticism from others. If you sow kindness to others, you're going to reap kindness from others. It's the law of the harvest. If you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get a pear tree. You get apples. If you sow with generosity, you'll reap generously. I mean, this is true in marriage. If you want to have a happy, fulfilled, close, intimate marriage, you've got to start sowing. You've got to start sowing the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. I mean, you sow financially into that marriage. You sow uh, kind words into that marriage. You sow forgiveness into that marriage. You sow, you do some planting. Uh, it's true in family. It's true with parents and kids and kids and parents. It's true where you work. It's true in school. We need to understand that the sowing and reaping principle in life touches everything we do. It's true about your thought life, what you're going to listen to in your music, what you're going to watch with your eyes. It's true about dieting. It's true about exercising. Uh, it's true in school. If you, if you want to reap the harvest of a good grade, you got to plant some time to study. It's just a truth we need to live with. Now, notice in your notes there, the word bountiful is the same word that is also translated blessing. Blessing. 
It's the same word for eulogy. It's a blessing. God says generous givers will reap generous blessings from God. But if you hold back selfishly, you will lose out. Now, what are the blessings that God gives to generous givers that we find here in this passage? Well, first of all, the first blessing to the generous is love from God. Now, this is an amazing verse. You should mark it in your Bible. But this I say, I'm sorry, verse 7. Every man according as he had purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is one who does not give because they have to give. They do not give grudgingly. They don't give out of duty. They give out of love, love for God, love for others. Now, what a wonderful promise from God. God loves a cheerful giver. To be a special object of God's love because of my giving. Now, when you think about the praise and the achievements that this world likes to give, I, I mean, of all people who really like to pat themselves on the back, it's Hollywood, isn't it? I mean, they have dozens of award shows. Uh, they have the Oscars, and they have the Emmys, they have the Grammys, and they have the Golden Globe Awards, and, and they have the People's Choice Awards. They have every type of music uh, uh, that has their own awards. But they mean nothing. They mean nothing when compared to some special affection that you and I can have from God himself. This is an unusual verse. When you go to the Bible, uh, we see that God speaks about his love for us. Uh, there's not another verse in the Bible like this one, a special love for a specific behavior. We know that God loves the world, John 3, 16. God so loved the world. We know that God has a, uh, a love for his own children, 1 John 3, 1. God loves, uh, he has a special love for his children, but among his own children, there is a special affection for who? The cheerful giver. The cheerful giver. The word cheerful comes from the Greek word hilaros, which is we get our English word hilarious. Christians who choose to give receive a special affection of love from God. I, I want that, and I hope you do as well. So what are the blessings that God gives to generous givers? A love from God, but secondly, a supply from God. A supply from God. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Just as we can't love without giving, neither can God. God showed his love by giving us his son. Look at the beginning of verse, verse 8. And God is able. Uh, you know that chorus, he is able? He is able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He healed the brokenhearted. He set the captive free. He made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Would, would you just choose in your heart because of the love of God to be a generous person? God will take care of you. I'm talking about the little things. I'm talking about the big things. Uh, uh, we, we were just at the soccer game on, on Friday night. It was 7.30 when it started, and, and it dropped into the 40s, and man, we were freezing. The kids, it was great for the kids, but we were freezing. And halftime, I said, got to get something warm, and I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll find something hot at Wawa. And so my wife wanted hot coffee, and, and so we just asked people around us, hey, Hey, uh, we're going to Wawa. Do you want, do you want any coffee? And, and, and there were so many, I had to, you know, write it all down. And, and there were seven 
coffee orders that I had, and Frank Robinson, he pulls out, says, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy, and he gives a $20, he says, you just buy for everyone. And, uh, and uh, typically that's, you know, something that we like to do, but, but he did it, and, and uh, so we go over to the Wawa, and, and uh, the first thing we want to get is Frank's, because he's buying empty. They don't have it. So uh, uh, he said, five minutes, it'll be ready. And so we got all the other coffee orders, and and uh, so as we got everything gathered together, we came up, and, and my wife says, they said it's free. They didn't have, two of the things we wanted were out, and so, that ever happened to you before? All right, many of you. Uh, so it's first time for me. Coffee is free, so we go back and we distribute it. Everyone's freezing. We've got a little cup of coffee and cappuccino, and, and so I try and give uh, uh, Frank his $20 back. He says, no, keep it. I said, no, no, it was free. Uh, it was free. Uh, here's your money back. He says, no, no, uh, for the wear and tear and the gas. Well, it was like 30 seconds away, all right? You know. <laughs> so uh, I insisted, he insisted more, so the $20 goes in my pocket. So uh, I'm thinking about this message. I've been talking to the kids about it. And, and so the next day, uh, Fermin Alvarez, who is our, our intern from Puerto Rico with the Tom Farrell Association there for one year, he lives on a meager income. And so I pull the $20 out and I give it to Fermin. And then I find out that Fermin had just taken some of the kids on his day off. He went over to uh, Home Depot for shop class. He bought all the kids, he bought all the kids soda that uh, he had uh, chauffeured over there. I said, so see, God is, God is blessing him in his generosity. Now it came back to him. And one of the teens said, Fermin, you want to be a blessing? Give me that 20. You know? <laughs> you know, so God will take care of you. God will take care of you. This is his promise. God keeps his promises. He has the power to fulfill his promises. What does he give? Notice in verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You see, you be generous. God's going to take care of you. And then this circle, this cycle, you can continue to abound in good works to other people. At verse 9, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. You talk about poor people. When you give money to missions, you are given to some of the poorest people on God's green earth. And you're helping them to come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And many times the missionaries help with physical needs. But greater than helping with the physical needs is the spiritual needs. Jesus Christ fed the poor twice. He preached the gospel every day. Now, we, we help out through Chosen 300. We're helping out with wells in Africa uh, and, and uh, in the Far East. And that's great, but there's a greater need, and that's the living water. That's the bread of life. And when you give you're meeting those needs. The growing of our food is so commonplace to us, we miss the miracle. Look at verse 10. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See how he takes nature and he combines it with the spiritual truth. So the growing of our food, it's so commonplace, we almost miss the miracle. You take the seed, you put it in the ground, it's like you are burying it. The seed seems to die. How many of you have gardens at home? Would you raise your hand? How many have ever had a garden at home? Would you raise your hand? All right. Uh, uh, you, 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 and it doesn't make sense. I mean, you put the seed in the ground, 
It's like you're, you're having a, a funeral, a cemetery. You're putting the seed in the ground, but soon the rain comes and soon the sun shines and the seed germinates and new life is born and growth take, takes place and eventually there's a harvest of food. You know, about 40 years ago, archaeologists were excavating one of Herod the Great's three palaces in Israel. And one of those palaces is on top of Masada, this huge uh, rock cliff. How many have been to Masada? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Many of us have been to Masada, and they found an ancient jar containing date palm seeds. In 2005, they found it again 40 years ago, but in 2005, they planted the seeds, and a 2,000-year-old seed that appeared to be dead sprung to life. I want to show it to you. I want to show you this date palm. Here's a picture of the date palm, which, which is planted in southern Israel. This is a miracle of nature. Uh, a 2,000-year-old seed that comes to life. Now, this has happened a couple of different times. Uh, many seeds, they die after two or three years. This seed is 2,000 years old. They have given the bush a nickname. What do they call it? Methuselah. <laughs> Methuselah after the oldest, oldest living man. You know, there was another seed, a body planted in a tomb, a grave nearly 2,000 years ago. And in three days, the body of Jesus Christ came back to life. Paul had already wrote the Corinthians in his, his uh, previous letter about the resurrection of the bodies. This is what he said. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. 1 Corinthians 15. Because Jesus died and rose again for you, you can go to heaven. That's the harvest. You can go to heaven. God will give back to you. Now, here's the amazing thing. You don't just reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. We know this is true in nature. You know, if you take one kernel of corn, uh, uh, this, this is what happens. One kernel of corn will give you one corn stalk. One stalk will give you three to four ears of corn. Uh, and each ear of corn contains 400 kernels. So one kernel of corn can give you a total of 1,200 to 1,600 kernels. So if you want more verification, you talk to the varners. They'll tell you all about this. If you sow a certain seed, you get the certain type of reward. If you sow wheat, you get wheat. You sow barley, you get barley. Oats, corn, beans, potatoes. It returns what's planted. In God's kingdom, this is how it works. Sometimes God will give us back materially and financially, and sometimes God gives back to us spiritual blessings. What are the spiritual blessings? What are the spiritual blessings? On page three of your notes, they are treasure in heaven. Joy on earth right now. Satisfaction of impacting others. Thankfulness from others. And God set it up this way. And, and, and because he wants you to become like him, God is a giver. And the only way you're ever going to become like him is to learn to be generous including your finances. When you're stingy, you're more like the devil. When you're generous, you're more like God. When you give it away, 
God multiplies. Now, the context here clearly is giving in the local church, giving to God, Malachi 3.10, Matthew 23, 30, uh, 23. There is the tithe, but there's also this offering above the tithe. And so every so often, uh, I, I like our church family to be able to, uh, to hear testimonies of God blessing those who give their missions offering. And so I, I've asked uh, uh, Gary Guns to come at this time, Gary, Lisa, and Sarah. Uh, they're newer members here. Gary's a physician's assistant. He, uh, for many years, has worked for uh, a medical uh, company. But if you'll come at this time, Gary, and uh, share a testimony that God keeps his promises. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. This is a brief story I'd like to share, a, a great blessing on my family and myself that started during the 30th anniversary of Valley Forge Baptist at uh, Sandy Cove. We met several missionaries there, including Phil and Hazel Panera, and got to know them and their ministry quite well. And on the way, way home, we felt really compelled to make a donation to their ministry, and we prayed a lot about it, my wife and I. And we soon came to a dollar amount of what, how much to give, but we never felt at peace of when to give, which is pretty significant when you're balancing everything, as everyone knows, and your finances and where else you give. Months went by, but we never really agreed that we felt peace when to give. So we delayed giving for months, which became hard in March when we knew the Pam, the cyclone hit Vanuatu in March, and we felt more compelled to give. Meg rolled in, and I, toward the end of May, I got one email from my, uh, my corporation. I'm very blessed to work for a, a fabulous corporation that has very sound uh, moral and ethics and a philanthropic foundation. They match charitable donations one-to-one -one year round for uh, charitable causes that have been pre-approved. We got one little email at the end of May and said, for the first time ever in the corporate history, we're going to double any match to approve charitable cause. So we didn't need any more reason to wait. And uh, I went online early in June double-checked that the Central Missionary Clearinghouse was an approved uh, charity, including the Vanuatu um, Cyclone Pam Relief Fund, which is one of Phil's ministries. So um, I went online, and uh, we made our donation, and uh, it felt great. Called my wife into the office and said, we were able to triple the donation that we wanted to give because of God's timing. Okay. And that felt, that felt really great. And uh, we would think that the story would end there. That was enough. Um, the satisfaction of giving and, and that impact. Same day, two hours later that morning, I get a phone call from my boss. He doesn't call me very often, and so <clears throat> you get a little anxiety. He calls me, and I forgot it was my annual review that day. Two and a half hours later after the phone, he offers me a raise toward the end of the conversation. We hang up, and I do the math quickly, and the, uh, the, the raise covered the exact amount of the donation that we had just pledged to Vanuatu. So my wife and I knew all along we would give, <clears throat> but we needed peace when to give, and God gave us peace and allowed our donation to be all that more impactful. Amen. Amen. You say, wow, what a coincidence. And I say, wow, what a great big God. You give not grudgingly, not, uh, uh, not out of necessity. You give because, because you want to give, and... And God's timing, God's timing was perfect to triple the gift, and God's timing was perfect uh, to be able to meet the supply. And, and as I've said, sometimes he gives back materially and financially, and sometimes he gives back spiritually. Uh, we don't give to get, but God does take care of us. 
And so what are, what are the blessings that God gives to generous givers? A love from God, a supply from God, and thirdly, a thanksgiving to God. Uh, a thanksgiving uh, to God. Notice at the end there of verse 11 and into verse 12 uh, what he says, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Paul is so convinced that these Corinthians are going to give such a large offering that the needs of the saints in Jerusalem are going to be met. It was a serious situation in Jerusalem. Several thousand poor Christians are in great need. And so Paul says, not only are you going to meet the need, but your offering will result in many thanksgivings to God. And so uh, we pick that up there in, in verse 13. Which by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. God, the, this gift is another evidence. The gift is proof of the genuineness of your salvation. Many Jews looked upon the Gentile Christians with suspicion. They're just not so sure about these Gentiles coming into the church, especially this church. This is a church that had criticized Paul. This is a church that had attacked Paul. This is a church that had doctrinal problems. This is a church that had some sin problems and some moral problems. And if any church was under suspicion, it was this church. And Paul says, when you give this gift, you're going to say that you're authentic. You're going to say that your faith is real. You're going to say that, that, that your offering is going to prove that you are, are a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. It's a tangible way for them to show love to other believers which is an evidence that their salvation is real. So, the blessings from God to generous givers, a love from God, a supply from God, a thanksgiving to God. One more thing that he shares, and that is friends from God. Friends from God. Look at verse 14. And by their prayer, the prayer of the people that received the gift in Jerusalem, by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. What does this mean? You know, some may think that poorer Christians have nothing to offer the wealthier Christians, but that's not the case. The prayers of the poor are the reward to the rich. The Christians in Jerusalem, which would be the poor saints, would repay the, the Corinthians' generosity by offering prayer on their behalf. Do you know that through our missions giving for 31 years, we have experienced that. Through our giving to missionaries around the world, hundreds of churches have been planted, thousands of, of people have been saved, and many of them have prayed for us, many of them. When, when two of our, of our, I'll call them relatively younger men, when two of our faithful men were close to death, Dave Davis and Kevin Nickerley, news requesting prayer traveled through our missionaries to the congregations all over the world. And some were extremely poor congregations. Some were persecuted congregations. And the result was several thousands of people interceding the throne of God on our behalf and upon their behalf. 
And in the sovereignty of God, God was gracious to hear those prayers and to bring healing. I mean, when all hope was gone, when all hope was gone, when Brother Davis was on that ventilator for more than a week and, and Brother Nickerley fell, you know, some 40 feet, when all hope was gone, God's people prayed all over the world and God raised them up and they're here with us. And we say glory to God. Oh, to have friends around the world praying in various languages and tongues because of our faithful giving to God. We've touched them. They touch us. You know, if you don't participate in our offerings, you're missing a blessing. You're missing a blessing. Actually, four, because the blessings of God to generous givers are, are a love from God, a supply from God, a thanksgiving to God, and the friends from God. So Paul closes this chapter with one of the most wonderful statements in all the entire Bible. We see there in verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is the gift of all gifts. This is the greatest gift. And we're going to save this verse for Christmas Sunday when we unwrap God's greatest gift to us. But you do not have to wait for Christmas to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. God loves a cheerful giver. The sowing and reaping principle in life touches everything you do.